0: You're listening to NBS Cast with your hosts, Rachel and Tommy. Welcome back to NBS Cast. I'm your host, Rachel.
1: And I'm your host, Tommy.
0: And today we get to continue our Career Success Stories series. And I'm really excited because we get to welcome back a guest. Erica is on the show today. Say hi to everybody, Erica.
2: Hello, everyone. Glad to be
0: here. So, Erica, you were one of our first guests on the show when we were clear back in 2020 talking about how COVID was affecting our business and our associates. So it's great to have you back today. But for anybody who has not had the wonderful opportunity to get to know you and who you are, let's start off and have you introduce yourself. So tell us your full name, your current job title or role, and how long you have been with the company.
2: Yes, so my name is Erica Clems. My current role is one of the team leads for Nelnet Campus Commerce's uh, implementation team. Um, And I have been with Nelnet for 17 years.
0: Man, listen to that tenure. I always love hearing how long our guests have been with us because it's such great experience and knowledge, like 17 years. That's amazing.
1: So Erica, would you want to walk us through what those 17 years have looked like? What some of the roles you've held or departments that you've worked in?
2: So I started at Nelnet actually the Monday after I graduated from college So it's really literally been like the career and company that, um, I've been a part of since I guess I've been an adult. Um, and so my first role here at Nelnet was in student loan consolidations. Um, and so it was at, at that point that would have been 2006 into 2007, just a booming business, um, at that point in time. Um, and it was a little odd one day. It's just bustling with work and activity and so many employees and something changed with the regulations and within a day, they were starting to lay people off. So it was a really interesting time um, and learning through that. Um, But luckily, unfortunately, I was able to transition into another role with Nelnet having so many different divisions and and positions. Um, Luckily, I found a place to stay and that's where I transitioned into the fax management division and have been with the the various names um, of that uh, over the last uh, several years too. So um, I entered that division as an assistant account manager and then um, took a fairly probably what would maybe be seen as a pretty typical career path with that, mm-hmm. learning the assistant role. And then gradually moving into an account management role. And from there, that's when I really transitioned into the higher ed space specifically. Um, So I was a higher ed account manager for several years, and then moved into the higher ed implementation um, department. So I was a project manager for a couple of years, and then had a unique role for a little while there as the migration manager. So I was still. Um, on the implementation team, but had a unique role in helping um, our clients and kind of some of the planning and strategy and paperwork um, that comes with uh, that came with the migration initiative from our legacy platform hmm. over to Enterprise and QuickPay. That position then kind of also transitioned into a new role in the implementation world um, in, uh, as an implementation analyst. And so um, had a very similar responsibility around um, just making sure that we're working with our clients and understanding the scope of the projects that our teams were implementing. Um, and then that transitioned into where I am today um, as a team lead for uh, the project managers that uh, work with our clients to do all that.
0: I feel like you and I have had somewhat similar trajectories in that. NBS was also my first job straight out of college. I did not work in a different division of Nelnet. It's always been NBS, but I, I have only experienced the corporate world and the official, oh, I'm done with school. Now here's my career <laughs> at Nelnet in some capacity. So I, I identify with you when you share that information. And if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure I remember when you first started on the NBS side, because it was very soon, I might've even still been in some kind of training when your class came through. So real similar. And I remember sitting up on fourth floor with you at the 56th and O building memories. that's That was a long time ago. Um, but it's just been really cool to get to see you in your different roles and as you've either moved on to different areas or moved on to different responsibilities just to see your growth and trajectory as you've gone. um, It's been really cool to watch you be able to do that. I I love asking this question too, especially uh, because we do have kind of similar career paths. Um, What were some of your career goals when you first started with the company and how did those change as you progressed into different roles? How did that alter your outlook or what you wanted to do either just in your career in general or here at NBS? Yeah, I
2: I really thought about this question. And if I'm totally honest, I I don't know that I was expecting a career Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. right out of the the gate. (laughs) I'm
0: so hardcore with you right now. (laughs) Yes, I remember. So
2: I graduated with a degree in music Mm. and probably halfway through that adventure, it was pretty real to me that I probably wasn't going to graduate and pursue a music kind of career, if you will. Like mm-hmm. I had um, at that point met and married my husband. I loved Lincoln. The idea of what a traditional like performance type career just was not attractive to me. Though I wouldn't, I would never change that. I, I love that that I have that background, but
0: mm-hmm.
2: I really wanted to stay in Lincoln and you know, I saw this job opportunity and being able to work full time was like very attractive to me and like uh-huh. the, the different goals just from like living life, uh, and, and having financial stability was, was probably what was most forefront for me. But I think it was really early on in that, in learning the culture of Nelnet at that time. And, and, obviously has its continued to advance in that, mm-hmm. um, the benefits that they provided. And then of course the people, um, that's not a cliche thing. Like all these 17 years, like Nelna has some of the best people that I've, I've ever met. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't long into that, that, um, and the, the leadership too, that I've had over those years, that it was, I, I could see myself here. Like, okay, people do have a career here. Like people have these 10 years of very long time. Like maybe that could be me. Um, and then even the experience that I, I talked about in the the layoff situation, where seeing how they um, how they treated that process, very uh, with with a lot of grace and like support, and even to the extent to say we're going to host these opportunities to interview for other jobs. Like we want you to stay here. We want to find a place for you. And so I think going through what could have been a very like trying time of Mm -hmm. being laid off and all that that would entail, they really, you know, picked up to say, we, we want to find a place for you. We value you and want to see you continue to grow here. And so just going through that experience was like, wow, Mm -hmm. I'm really valued here and I could see myself continuing. So I think it wasn't too long after that to where I started seeing, okay, I need to really dig in, um, and see, you know, what other opportunities, not necessarily like moving up or anything like that, but just finding ways to meet more people and dig into other opportunities and special projects and different things. So, um, that's kind of how it, it, I think shifted pretty early on to, to, to see and experience other people's kind of stories and on that too.
0: I, I, again, I'm identifying with you in a lot of different ways, (laughs) Um, especially as you're talking about education. You know, you have a degree in the arts and music. I have a degree in Spanish and religious studies. And I feel like those fields of study, you get to that midway point and you're you're thinking, what on earth am I going to do with this degree? What am I going to do with this thing that's very amorphous? So I, I identify so much with you wanting that Okay, I can, you know, I can have this avenue of stability and good benefits and a steady paycheck. Uh, Even though maybe I didn't have a field of study that got me in the door here, it was still that like, okay, now I can relax and feel like I can pursue whatever opportunity I want now that I have that security.
1: Erica, what were some of the challenges that you have faced throughout your career, and how have you overcome them?
2: Oh, this is like all of it, right? Um, so the 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 layoff um, scenario, like I said, I I do try, like in my work life, in my personal life, I do try to see challenges as okay. What what is the opportunity here? What am I supposed to be learning? How am I supposed to grow from this? As as tough as these things are. Um, especially talking about them in hindsight, you know, when I'm in the minute, it was it was tough. But again, seeing how um, the the Nelnet leadership teams and and um, people just came together to find new opportunities, um, it it built a loyalty that I saw um, in where I you know saw myself in, in having many years here at Nelnet, and then the loyalty of the people, even just working through that process of, of the layoff and transitioning with me. So that was, that was a big challenge, but again, in hindsight was such an an incredible opportunity of finding something that I maybe wasn't going to be looking for otherwise. Um, And here I've then spent the vast majority of those 17 years um, on the um, NBS side of things. Another big challenge for my duration was the migration effort. Um, I think It was over five years total um, of working through the legacy transition, that internal kind of initiative for our systems to evolve. Um, And then before we ended that, we had the TMS acquisition. So it was just two very big initiatives, very important things to our company to try to manage the time and pressure and deadlines and and stress that, that that involved. Um, and I, yeah, I look back to a certain year of those five years and say, yeah, that was probably one of the most challenging years of my life. Mm-hmm. But again, reflecting on that and being open with my leaders through that time to say, you know, th- I'm doing the best I can. We were all like working so hard with this and ultimately coming away from that particular challenge with, I would argue, the most opportunity for growth for me when it comes to how Our clients, getting to know them, how they use our products, getting to know our internal teams. Um, There was so much collaboration going during that time. And so in that, I mean, it felt like a very long window and it really was. But in a relatively short amount of time, I gained so much experience to be able to take with me then. Um, And so I do truly see that as an opportunity as much as I get a little nervous around whenever the next acquisition (laughs) happens, but um, you know, there's that. And then finally, my most recent, I feel like, you know, bigger challenge was being offered the team lead job that I'm in right now. And it's a, it's a role that I've envisioned myself in for some time. So I, I love this role and then was super excited to have the opportunity. I was selected to lead the team that does the quick pay implementations and you don't have to be in quick pay to be part of this company and know that it's, it's a, a a beast uh, of a system. And so and so just coming into that with with l- little experience and knowing like, all right, now I'm leading this team that I have to really be open to learning and leaning on them um, and being vulnerable to just like not be the one that knows everything at the table. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but again, looking back on it, I can be grateful for my team every single day because they are what, you know, gets us through and gets the problem solved, um, and things like that. So
0: remind me, Erica, how long have you been in that team lead position now? It has been just a
2: little over two years. It was early 2021. Yep.
0: You you've touched on this a little bit already, but I'd love for you to expand on this. What are some resources that have helped you during your career path here? You know, did you have a mentor, uh, or were you looking for leadership, impacts from the leaders around you? Have you taken any courses or educational opportunities to help you grow in that career path? What has that looked like for you as you've grown here?
2: Yeah. So a few things came to mind for this. And number one is definitely the people, particularly the the leaders. Mm-hmm. And um, I've been fortunate enough that I feel like the various positions I've had had a leader that impacted me in one way, shape or form. And so I've been able to build this like arsenal of different perspectives over the, over the years. And it's, it was so great to have, to actually reflect on this question because so many of the people are, I, I. I might say they're all still here. That in one way, throughout my tenure, um, I just commented on Jeff Samine. Um, he just had an article in TGIF, and he was the very first supervisor that I had here. Um, and so, just like going through my chain of of different roles, every one of them are still here. So it's it's so incredible. I think that speaks for itself to say, mm-hmm. you know, when when you look at a company and where you want to, you know, belong like, wow, to know that all these leaders that have impacted you are still here impacting more people is is pretty awesome. One, I guess one in particular too, and of course, like she's not here anymore because she retired, but Cindy Terwilliger was monumental in so many things um, that played out for me. Uh, so yeah, that just having those people and being open to those relationships, I think we can have a pretty superficial time if we, if you allow it, but when you know that you spend so much time with really like a family here at Nelnet, if if you're not intentional and, and want to take that next step to understand and learn who people are and how you can help each other. And um, so Cindy really grasped that. And so seeing other leaders do that for me is really what has impacted and helped me then take that on to how I lead um, my team. Um so those were huge. And so many examples can be shared with, with people um, that have impacted. I, I remember one specific time too, just as far as like knowing that I wanted leadership to be part of my story here eventually. Um, I remember Jen Tulin was my, uh, she was my team lead. I think I was an assistant.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I
2: remember like learning from her and like in-depth training and all these different things. And, you know, she, like a good leader does, like they ask, what are you interested in doing? Like, do you want to stay where you're at? Do you want to progress or whatever? And I looked her straight in the eye and said, I want your job someday. Like I want (laughs) to do what you're doing and not in a way that's like, I'm going to come for your job, but more like I, I have learned from you and I love how you, you know, lead and have Mm -hmm. built this team. Like I, I want to see myself in that someday. So so those were all really impactful for me. I think two, two other things, um, just to highlight the massive amount of resources that Nelnet mm-hmm. offers, if you're willing to put in the time or just, just, you know, look at some interest, um, of, of any newsletter you see come out, there's something in there that you can dive more into. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've, I think it was the very first career passport that you all did um, that I mm-hmm. was part of. So I, you know, just getting into that, learning all the different resources from there. But one thing in particular, there there was a book club with Danielle Ager um, oh, that was yes. da- Dare to Lead from yep. Brené Brown.
0: Oh, such a great book.
2: Totally impactful book for me. Um, I like uh, ripped a page out of that book, like to just be like, it still sits on my like workspace so I can be reminded of like that. That's mm-hmm. what I want. Um, so that was very impactful. Um, I think Mark Schmuler was on like a podcast at some point and mm-hmm. he shared um, uh, Servant Leadership in Action, I think oh. is the book. Uh-huh. Um, so again, like, and this was before I became a team lead in, in, like formally. So just grasping onto these resources to know, like, this is what I want. And so how can I just continue to grow and learn from others that have gone before? Mm. And so those two were, were really impactful for me. Um, gosh, I, I feel, I feel like there was maybe one. Oh, I know what there was. Mm. Sorry. Um, steps for supervisory success is mm. a, an ongoing program that's offered. Um, And so I saw that opportunity again, it was before I actually had a formal team. So it was an, a unique request, I think for me to say, Hey, I'm interested in learning more about what it's going to take for me to step into a leadership role when the time comes. Um, and that was like, I know, um, Alison did that session and I learned so much from her, from the participants, Um, there was an exercise, I think it was like six months long. So it was, I mean, it felt like being back in college to an extent, I'm probably forgetting what college was really like, but, um, (laughs) it felt like I really took it seriously and like dug in. And I remember one of the like assignments, like kind of the, one of the, the last things was to create your leadership legacy statement. And I was just like, this is incredible. Like, and so coming up with that and not having a team in mind, just knowing like very intentionally, what do I want to be as a leader to any team that I may, you know, come across in my career path here or elsewhere or wherever that be. Mm. And so taking the time to do that helps me, helped me so much. Mm. And then it was like maybe within six months, the opportunity that I'm in now today, um, came up and I was offered that. And so it was just so great to be like, I have this toolkit ready to go. And I'm, I don't know, quick pay, but I'm, I'm going to know how to be your leader and I'm going to support you. Like that was the thing that I could lean on. Mm-hmm. And so I I do a reminder every year for the team. I bring that back out and it's a reminder for myself to reread like what I'm here to do. I remind my team what I'm here to do and what they can hold me accountable for. So even just taking that one piece of that program, I continue to use today, which is mm. is huge. So yeah, super appreciative of so many opportunities if you're willing to look. And like I said, just communicate and and mm-hmm. talk to your leaders around what you're interested in and where you want to go because they should support you in that.
0: You are hitting me in all my feelings. You mentioned Cindy and retirement. You mentioned Jen. I also reported to Jen when I first moved over to NBS. Like, oh my gosh, you're hitting on everything. (laughs) And also, thanks for the shout out for Career Passport. Uh, It's a passion project of ours. So it just... It makes me so happy to hear it spoken of so highly <laughs> by one of our, our great leaders here. So thank you, Erica. We appreciate that a lot.
1: Erica, how important has making or maintaining a good relationship with your coworkers and leaders been to you? And how do you feel that's helped you through your career journey?
2: Critical. That is the word I thought of. This is so, so important. If we can get anything right um, for someone that's starting their career or has been here for a long time, like, especially in this virtual world, I feel like it's it's harder. There's more challenges to that. And so being, you have to plan for it. You have to be intentional around this idea that, I mean, should be pretty natural, like as humans that we need that relationship, but it's, it's, it's difficult. So yes, I... I am a huge proponent of this. And, and like I've mentioned in several of the, the answers, just how impactful all the relationships I've seen and the communication that I've built, not only from a knowledge standpoint that is crucial to our business and what we're doing, but then um, new ideas and ways to be um, growing in our career or in um, just learning our systems and providing feedback, helping our clients, like it, it's tremendous what, how important I, I feel about this making relationships thing. And I mean, I feel like I've had this like my whole career, but it really shown when the, the last couple of roles that I've had here at Nelnet, um, you know, with the migration pieces and and the analyst stuff, it involves so much conversation. You, you can't type an email, you can't input Information into Salesforce and like all this automated stuff is great. We need that. But there's always going to be a piece that plays into I need to have a conversation to get a better understanding to make these next steps successful. And a lot of that is collaborating outside of your department. So you're going out of your comfort zone to be like, I don't know the answer to this question. There's a vulnerability you have to have to to want to be able to learn so that you can do your best for your team and for the company. And so you're not going to, you're just not going to get that without good relationships. You never know where you're going to end up in this company either. And so, um, you know, there's, there's pieces um, in different roles that I would have in a migration manager role or the analyst role, for example, I would have never thought that I would have had to get so deep in uh, relationships with different salespeople there, it was just an aspect of my prior roles that I just, I didn't have to get, um, you know, I didn't have to understand what their role was to, you know, to in depth, but I really had to build and understand what they were up against in, you know, the field, if you will. And so now I have great relationships with so many of them that, Sometimes it's work related. Sometimes it's not, and so it's just great. It, it's gonna, it's it's never gonna turn you down. Like it's never gonna let you down that you've built these relationships, and so yeah, I'm super passionate about that point. And some days that's the only thing I can lean on. Like so many things are out of control that I'm like, I don't know really where to go next with this, but I know a person that might be able to help me dig into this. Um, and so it's just yeah, it's it's critical. So
0: yeah, yep. I agree. So important. As we start to wrap up here, I would love to know what are some of your career goals or plans now for the future and what are you doing to work toward them?
2: Yeah, this one was a little more challenging for me <laughs> to think through. Mm-hmm. And I finally think I put my finger on it. Um, and it's because I, I feel like I'm in a role that I, I still want to keep learning and growing here, like where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that means that's not to be like stagnant or anything. It's just, um, there's a, a piece of advice that Jeff Wirtz gives like mm-hmm. every like career, pan- new, new employee, like panel that I've, I've taken and, and gleaned on that says become an expert, like in the role you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, it, that's never going to let you down. Um, and so I just, I love the department I'm in, the people, it is such a high caliber group of folks and we are problem solving all the time. We have to lean on each other. It's no one coming to the table that says, I know it all. And now I'm ready to move on to the next thing. And so I think that's why this has been, this was more challenging of like, oh, huh, where do I, where do I see myself later? Um, I think overall leadership, I have loved Using the, you know, 15 to 17 years of experience that I've grown in order to help my team um, and um, you know, help them get to where they want to go and help them hopefully see different skills and, and leadership opportunities that they might have. So I definitely see myself continuing with a leadership concept. And so wherever that would be, as far as bringing experience and knowledge that can help grow our, our department's processes, our business, you know, um, innovation ideas and different things. That's great. Um, but yeah, hopefully, you know, we'll be having a podcast another time and we're celebrating 25 years or something. Right? I don't know, you know, exactly. <laughs> so, so yeah. And I think just to that, you know, I'm continuing to learn, so even though I know like, yep, I'm, I'm right where I need to be right now and feel that, um, how can I keep, you know, honing leadership opportunities and skills with that? So I think even though you, you might feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be, you know, in this space for probably a, a, a quite a bit longer. And I just want to keep building, um, you know, we do a lot of project management, so building those skills and different things that we're passionate about there. So Um, so yeah, I continue to keep my eye open on the newsletters and different things that tell us what, um, opportunities are out there. So,
0: Mm -hmm. yep. I love that. I think it's really important to really understand your role where you are and it's important to stay fresh and to, you know, not get complacent, like you said, but also it's not all about looking for that next big thing, right? Sometimes the next big thing is just where we are for the time being. And that's important too. So Erica,
1: the last question we have for you is what's one piece of advice would you give to someone who's looking to advance their career?
2: So I kind of already called out Jeff and what mm-hmm. I kind of talked about there too. Um, and it is this this idea of, I think, you know, even even when I think about, you know, Rachel, our first days where we're like, all right, is this my mm-hmm. career? Whatever. Mm-hmm. I just want to be financially stable. And, like, and then you like start seeing that and you're like, oh, I just want to move to the next thing and, you know, all these different promotions or, or whatever, but truly like knowing and, and learning and growing in where you're at right now. Um, that doesn't mean to be looking for other opportunities, but, um, expand your knowledge, expand your kind of network of, um, people that you can continue to learn from with that. Um, and then the other thing that, um, The other, I guess it's advice, but also maybe more of a tool Mm -hmm. that has been really helpful. And Rachel, I think this could be another call out for career passport. I think it was career passport. There was like an end of, end of the program kind of, I don't know, celebration. And there was like a raffle, Mm -hmm. but one of the prizes was a daily career journal.
0: Mm -hmm. And
2: this is like the best. Um, And so simple. I had never heard of it before. Um, and I'm, I don't journal myself like it's I don't have a lot of time to do that. But to have this idea of a, a journal and mm-hmm. I'll, I, there's a, a link to the one I use of just writing down these notes and connections because it is it's it's great to reflect on little pieces along the way mm-hmm. that have led to where you are or want to go. It provides that opportunity when you are ready to move um, or take that next step. You can look back and say, look at all these things I've either Um, accomplished or connections I've made or opportunities I've been in, and then uh, be able to spell that out for that next opportunity that that shows itself from a position standpoint as well. So I would give a shout out to the career journal advice too.
0: I I love that. And Yes, that was a Cindy Terwilliger find as well. So another shout out to Cindy. <laughs> um, she she found that and she was like, "This is a great tool for this program." So not only did we give that away as one of the prizes, and I think we've done it maybe I don't know if it's been every year, but it's been at least a couple of years that that was one of the ending prizes. So um, glad to hear that it's been a great tool for you, Erica and also just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing more about your career journey and the things that you were kind of thinking about along the way because it's such great insight for anyone whether you've been here for one month or you've been here for 10 plus years to get that insight from others who've been able to call this place their career home so thanks again erica we appreciate it Well, just a huge thanks again to Erica for coming on the show today and sharing her history and success with Nelnet. Uh, It's a great story to share, and we were happy to be the vehicle to share it. So thanks, Erica. Now we get to transition into our segment. We've got some hot takes with Tommy. And I'm really excited because we not only have Tommy with us as a host, but we have our newest co-host. We've got Brayton on with us as well. Say hey to everybody, Brayton.
3: Hello, everybody. It's great to be here. Hopefully, you heard my episode a couple weeks ago on the podcast, but I'll be more of a casual uh, host on the show, if you will, mm. going forward, because I am an intern with the NBS culture team now uh, for the rest of the year. So mm-hmm. today, if you're a podcast fan, we got great news for you because today's podcast segment is it's a podcast podcast. It's about podcasts.
0: <laughs> That's right. We're so excited to talk about this. Tommy, I know you've got some great questions about our podcasting habits. So go ahead, take it away. We are ready to discuss podcasts.
1: When is the best time to listen to a podcast, in your opinion?
0: So I kind of need to be a captive audience when it comes to listening to podcasts. I I can't casually listen necessarily. I can sometimes as I'm doing housework or just kind of being idle around the house. Uh, but most of the time when I do that, my mind starts to wander. And the next thing I know, I've missed like 20 minutes of the show I'm listening to. But when I'm in the car, especially on my trips to and from Lincoln... When I'm in the car for a really long time, then that's my ideal time to find a great new series and start binging. And also when I am walking, I like to listen to a podcast while I'm doing that because I'm engaged in doing something, but it's not something where I know I'm going to lose track of where I am and what I'm listening to. So either in the car or walking, those are my ideal times.
3: How about you, Brayton? I feel like it is more of an ambiance for me when I'm watching a podcast. I prefer podcasts like in the car, like Rachel said, on long car rides. I know that drive to Illinois definitely definitely can get really long. Yeah, mid-car ride, I'll get a little bored of music, just flip on a podcast. And uh, when I'm biking, I like to bike around Lincoln. Sometimes I'll watch a podcast, normally prefer music, but Basic household tasks that I can kind of subconsciously listen to a podcast. Hopefully, it's like a funny one. So then I'm just laughing every once in a while. But like if I'm doing laundry or cleaning the kitchen or something, then I think that's a good time for podcasts too.
0: What about you, Tommy? When do you like to listen?
1: Um, I listen to the majority of my podcasts in the morning. Um, I like it. I like to listen to them while I cook. So while I'm cooking my breakfast every morning, I always listen to a news podcast. Um, I'm just feel more attentive in the mornings. Um, don't know why I just can't pay attention to them at night or in the afternoon. So try to stick to the mornings. Makes sense. What do you think is the best platform to find new podcasts?
3: I really only watch podcasts on YouTube and Spotify, or I guess watch them on YouTube and then listen to them on Spotify. But I like it sometimes to be able to watch the YouTube videos of a podcast and like get more facial expression from the hosts and the guests and whatever. But mostly YouTube and Spotify.
0: You know, when I'm looking for new shows to listen to, I like to do Google searches. I'm a true crime junkie, so I'm always looking for the next story. (laughs) What's the next true crime podcast or what's the next series I'm going to get into? So I'll start Googling just to see what's You know, popular right now? What are people talking about? Or I love sharing podcast recommendations with coworkers and friends because there's always a show I've never heard of, or maybe I've heard a little bit about, but never taken the time to listen to. And getting that endorsement is really what pricks my interest to get out there and actually listen to it. So I wouldn't call them platforms necessarily, but that's how I like to find new shows to get into. What about you, Tommy? How do you like to find new shows?
1: Uh, For sure, Spotify. Um, I used to use Apple Music and then just recently switched over to Spotify this past winter, and I think it's 10 times better. Um, I don't know if it's the algorithm they have set up or what it is, but it's just a lot easier to find new stuff, music included. Mm,
0: mm -hmm. You know, I did also see I subscribe to YouTube Premium Mm. because it comes with YouTube Music for free, and they are putting podcasts on YouTube music. So I'm I'm thinking that might be an up and coming platform for podcast content.
1: Rachel, we'll start with you. What is the perfect length of a podcast time-wise?
0: You know, it's interesting because being a podcast host, I've done some research on this and there's really no definitive answer. I feel like <laughs> this is very individualized to the person. For me, I'm going to say, my length I want to see episodes at is about 30 to 40 minutes because it's not a huge time commitment. I know I can probably listen to it from start to finish and not have to leave off somewhere in the middle and then remember to come back to it later. But I also know, according to user data, people love the short episodes. So 30 minutes or less, or a lot of people love like the two and three hour episodes of shows. And that just kind of baffles me that it can be such a huge bell curve or pendulum of preference for people. But for me, I'm like right in that 35 to 40 minute range, I can get in, listen and get it done. So that's my preference.
1: How about you, Brayden?
3: You know, I'll watch a, I'll listen to a three hour podcast <laughs> if it's a good one, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. I really, just because it's like a, it's a ambient activity. And if it's a good host, first of all, if they've got really good questions and can keep a conversation going, or if it's like an interesting and popular guest, or somebody that I'm a fan of, then I'll then I'll watch it like all day. But with the exception of news podcasts, if I'm looking for an informational podcast, like NPR News Now, that's like five minutes. And that's just like the perfect amount for that type of pod, podcast. But I think if it's a quality podcast, it's like a book, you know, like you can just enjoy it for a while and you don't even have to like watch the whole podcast all the way through. So if it's a really good one, I'd rather have it be like, three hours and then maybe I can just like listen to an hour of it and then come back to it later. But yeah, I I agree with Rachel. I don't think there's like a perfect length of a podcast per se. How about you, Tommy?
1: Um, For me, I like 20 to 30 minutes. Uh, I don't know why. I just find that I lose interest after about a half an hour of listening to something. Um, So yeah, I don't know what it is because I could sit down and watch TV for hours and hours, but just listening, I got to cut it off in about half an hour. Not sure Mm -hmm. why.
0: Mm-hmm. Understandable.
1: What is the best type or topic of a podcast?
0: Well, I've already played my hand because I'm a true crime junkie. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really enjoy... they Those true crime podcasts, those hosts are such excellent storytellers. They'll... They're so good. They mention something in one episode, and then they'll start talking about something else, and you don't really even notice the transition. <laughs> and then they'll call back to it either later on in the episode or even in a future episode. They're like, "Remember when I told you blah blah blah? Well, here's the story behind that." And it was just like, "Oh my gosh! Yeah, I totally like a forgot production. about it's that." really yes. Cool. Yes. It's amazing. So that, those hold my attention the best is when they're a true crime story and it really is a good story. Um, so those hold my attention the most, but I also like one of my other favorite shows is a podcast about, now don't judge me for this, (laughs) but it's a podcast about planning. Um, So the host reviews different kinds of planners. She talks about different kinds of planning tips. So when it comes to organization or planning your day, or if you are working on maybe a workout schedule and it's new to you, she gives you some really great pointers on how to get started and how to keep that momentum going. So I really like the organizational productivity style podcasts just as much as I like the True crime shows. So I know kind of weird ends of the spectrum there, but those are the ones I'm listening to most often.
3: How about you, Brayden? I definitely prefer funny podcasts. Um, yeah, just something I can laugh at, something that's got a couple of funny guests or or one that's got like a really interesting guest. Like, like Joe Rogan will often have on like a, a random astrophysicist or like a psychologist or somebody who's just got interesting knowledge and then even though you click onto it because it's like a well-known podcast of a guy who you enjoy watching, you stay for some information j- that's just pouring out of the fire hose on the podcast. And I feel like it's a, it's a really uh, interesting way to learn and makes you more receptive to learning about different things that you probably would struggle to learn in a classroom. But Rachel, I find it interesting that you kind of uh, listen to like a planning podcast. I've never really heard of that, but um, that's kind of in the same vein of like the, the books that I'm interested in. Like I know you guys are reading Blink right now for the Career Passport group and have re- what was the you're just reading Atomic Habits, if I'm correct. Yep. Um, Those are the kind of books I'm into. So it's interesting to hear that there might be a place in the podcast space for like similar kind of content. I might have to look into that.
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll send you some shows. I think some of those authors have their own. Like I know Malcolm Gladwell has his mm-hmm. own uh, revisionist history is one. He's got maybe one or two others out there too. But just interesting topics in that productivity sphere. What about you, Tommy? What are What's your best type or topic of a podcast?
1: Well, I did already play my hand as well. It has to be true crime. <laughs> uh, I'm a yes. true crime junkie.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it might be because my mom would just always watch ID Channel on cable when we were growing <laughs> up. <laughs> um, but yeah, definitely true crime.
0: Mm-hmm. What's your favorite uh, true crime show?
1: Leads perfectly into our next question. Mm-hmm. So I will just give. Next question is top three favorite podcasts. I'll just start with mine. Um, so favorite true crime. Um, I would have to go unsolved murders. Um, so it's just about cold cases, basically, which is not not as satisfying as being able to you know actually get the case solved at the end. But sometimes they you get to come back and. You know, the cold cases will be solved. So those are always exciting episodes. They'll revisit them once like new evidence has come up or whatnot. Uh, but besides that, um, every morning I listen to the BBC World News um, podcast. It's they come out with about two a day. Um, it's uh, news from the Western Hemisphere and then the Eastern Hemisphere. Um, and yeah, they do it in like 25 minutes. It's really quick, really concise. There's always a puff piece at the beginning and the end. So it starts good and ends good. just always good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my favorite one that I uh, listen to religiously is and Chicklets. It's a hockey <laughs> podcast. Um, it's sponsored by Barstool. Uh, so that's, so it's, a, it's a fun vibe. And uh, the hosts are ex-hockey players that played in the NHL. Um, so yeah, it's a good time. Very good mm-hmm. listen.
0: Mm-hmm. How about
1: you, Rachel? What are your top three podcasts?
0: Well, okay. So I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but <laughs> one of my favorite shows is Serial. That was what got me into podcasts to start with. And the first season, all about Adnan Syed and his, his case, that was so fascinating to me. Uh, all the science that went into either just the research of whether he actually did what they say he did or not. I don't want to give too much away. Uh, Mm -hmm. But that kind of started my love affair with podcasts. And I've listened to a few other seasons of Serial as well, but they're good. They just, none of them were as good as that first one, in my opinion, because I was so hooked. Um, And then the, the planning podcast that I really like is called best laid plans. And it's with Sarah Hart Unger. That's the host. And like I said, she reviews different planners and different planning methods. Um, and it's just interesting to hear other people's insight because I'm kind of nosy when it comes to productivity and hearing how other people plan their days or their weeks or make sure that they're on top of their to-do list. I just like to know what people's processes are. So it's always fun for me to hear her review different things. Um, and shameless plug, number three is NBS Cast, because yeah. oh, I'm one of the hosts. It has to be one of my favorites, right? It is
3: a great podcast. <laughs>
0: what about you Brayton top three what are yours
3: I hate to disappoint you guys but I'm not too into the true crime podcast uh mostly I
0: like your (laughs) perspectives
3: mostly because I'll forget that it's like a cold case one and then I'm like an hour and a half into the podcast and then it just ends on a cliffhanger and I'm like wait I thought it was gonna resolve and then it just doesn't and then I get upset and I'm driving and gotta turn on a lighthearted podcast to Enjoy the drive again. But my favorite podcast, definitely this past weekend with Theo Vaughn, if you know who that is. Um, Really funny one. He's got on some good guests all the time. Uh, And that's one that some of those podcast episodes will go like two, three hours, just depending on who the guest is. They kind of just let the conversation flow naturally and take however long it needs to. But that's my favorite. I also like uh, Joe Rogan experience that's a good one um like i mentioned earlier he has a lot of interesting and uh like a diverse set of guests so it's not always a celebrity or like a you know a a ufc fighter or something it's like each week it's like something new or however often he uploads those and then i also like npr news now that was another one that i mentioned earlier but it's just good for um catching up on like news i think it updates every hour which is really interesting it'll drop like a 4 p m uh june 13th podcast but and they're only 5 minutes and it covers just like the most essential news you would want to know um and that's just about as much time i like to spend looking at the news every day mm-hmm. i'm not a huge news guy but like you know a little a good a good snippet every day is is enough for me but those are my three favorite
1: we got one more question for y'all. Uh, Brayden, I'll direct this one at you first. What makes a podcast enjoyable to listen to?
3: I think the thing that makes a podcast most enjoyable is the differing views of the guests. Just hearing an uh, echo chamber is not really entertaining for you know more than like five minutes. But if if there's diversity in your guests, and this kind of goes back to what we've been talking about recently with DEI, but Mm-hmm. Um, it just makes it a much more interesting dynamic for the conversation. And it's kind of the same thing, like in the workplace where a diverse team makes a better, a better team, a diverse podcast, I feel like makes a more entertaining podcast. And when you have people with differing views, um, differing opinions, you can kind of learn more than if there was just four of the same people or three or two of the same people sitting down and, and, uh, you know, just echoing the same same kind of opinions and stuff so I feel like Mm -hmm. big part of his uh differing views diversity in guests good questions um and like a good host who's who's being more conversational with them instead of just interviewing them the whole time
0: yeah I'd have to agree especially on the the host you got to make it worth your while to listen, right? And you're not just going to want to listen to a series of questions being asked and answered. You want to hear the banter. You want to hear the conversation between the questions. So if you have a host that knows how to do that well, it makes it so much better to listen to. Um, And if it's an interview style, I like those things. If it's a story style, again, that storytelling piece, how well of a storyteller is the host? That's what draws me in. And I've had true crime podcasts or other, uh, story-based podcasts that I've listened to. And right from the start, I know "Uh, this one, I'm not going to pay much attention to because I'm just not being drawn in as much by that host and their, their story crafting or storytelling ability. So that's really important to me. And also I, I do think there is an important piece Uh, of chemistry right so if there's multiple hosts is there good chemistry between the host or is it awkward if it's awkward i'm not going to be inclined to listen is there good chemistry between hosts and guests if there is then you're just naturally more inclined to listen so those are what i like best about the different shows that i listen to is i feel like the hosts are really good at what they do whether it's interviewing or telling a story those are the people i want to be listening to what about you tommy
1: uh, for me it's a variety of voices um, i don't like l- sitting there and listening to listen l- listen to the same person over and over um, again i like the banter like you said um, i like it when the hosts are having conversations and you know bouncing stuff back and forth between each other um, also love a good posting schedule um, i love it when there's podcasts that come out exactly and you know, when they do every day or every week um, it's just nice to have that consistency knowing that it's going to be there when i need it
0: Well, this has certainly been a fun conversation about podcasts, and for anybody listening who wants to share their opinions on podcasts, share your favorite shows with us, or share what you like about our show if you want, or if you have a great way to find new shows or new podcasts, tell us about it, because we'd love to hear from you. Uh, I would definitely encourage you to reach out to one of us as hosts, let us know what your thoughts are, and maybe we'll share those on a future show one day, but... Uh, Just a huge thanks to Erica again for coming on the show and talking about her career story and a huge thanks to everyone listening. We always appreciate it and we will catch you in the next episode.